0: Hello everyone and welcome back to the BMW Blog Podcast. This is episode 13. So we're getting on a little bit of a roll now into the teens. And uh, we have a few interesting topics to talk about today. Um, Just to give you a little bit of a heads up so you know uh, whether or not you should keep listening. um, We're going to talk about the new seven series facelift. It's actually getting another one. Uh, We talked about that earlier in the week and kind of want to just expand on that a little bit. Uh, After that, I want to talk about Hyundai and Genesis. Um, not the Hyundai Genesis like the old car, but both brands, the main brand Hyundai, the parent brand, and the sub-brand Genesis. And I also want to talk about the BMW M850i Grand Coupe, because I just had one on test, or Grand Coupe, I'm sorry, just had one on test for a week, and I'm just recently giving it back. Uh, my review is coming out soon, but I want to kind of talk about some of the things, like just kind of get into a little more detail that, you know, you kind of can't read in a review. Um, so yeah, just stuff like that. And uh so those are the topics for today, and uh let's get started. Alright, so let's kick it off. So the seven series. Um actually this past year, the G11 Generation 7 series already got a facelift. Um it was it was probably the most controversial facelift that BMW's given a car in any car in ages. And that's because it came with two massive kidney grills. I mean just enormous, enormous kidney grills, and it was hugely polarizing. Some fans actually really liked it because it was different than the pre-facelift car, which honestly was a bit too boring when it first came out. So some fans were like, oh, well, at least the facelifted car, despite having insanely enormous kidney grills, looked a little more interesting. You know, it had a little bit more style to it. Um, You know, but (laughs) I guess like it or not, it was a bit different looking. Most fans, though, really, really didn't like it. Um, especially, actually not even just BMW fans. I mean, people around the entire auto industry were really criticizing it when it first came out, but the facelift isn't old. It's only like, you know, a year old. And so what's interesting is that some spy photos recently came out showing off what seemed like another facelifted version of the seven series. It was a seven series on like a car carrier and the front end had some camouflage on it, which is odd because it already got its facelift. So what could BMW be doing? Um, so there was some speculation as to what BMW was doing. Was it a second facelift? Is it a new model? What's going on? Is it a new generation of the 7 Series? So we did, you know, our typical digging and talk to our BMW sources. And while we can't really confirm much, the only thing we can confirm is that it is another facelift for the 7 Series, but it's a small one. Um, it's only going to really affect, like, the headlights and the taillights. Um, so I don't know. We don't know why. We don't really know anything about that. We just know that... It is getting another facelift for certain, but it's really, really minor, like just headlights and taillights. Um, maybe some interior stuff. I don't know for sure. Like maybe it gets the new shift lever from like newer cars or like the new eight series and stuff like that. Because um, personally, I've been curious as to why BMW didn't do that with the facelift. But anyway, that's a, that's a story for another time. Um, we do know that it's getting new headlights and taillights. So I'm, we're kind of curious as to maybe it's new headlight technology, maybe uh, BMW kind of came out with new headlight tech and want to keep the seven series, you know, at the top of the the game technologically, you know, they want to keep the seven series is the car that has BMW's best and latest technology. So maybe if they came out with new headlight tech, they want to just kind of facelift it real quick and just give it that technology. I don't know. I'm kind of just speculating here. So maybe that is why, but as far as we know, it is getting, you know, another slight facelift. Um, what's odd, though, about that is the, the headlights on the facelifted 7 Series, the, the current one, um, that's the best part of the, the front end. The, the headlights actually look much better than the pre-facelift car. And uh, they kind of they distract because they look so good. They kind of distract from the massive, massive grills, which personally I've actually come to enjoy because it kind of gives the car, I don't know, some flair. The, the pre-facelift car was so boring looking. The, the, the new one with the massive grills is actually its kind of funny to me. So at least it gives it some kind of personality, some kind of character. Um, and to be honest, and to be fair, to BMW, the, the seven series isn't the only car in the segment that has a massive grill. I mean, the Audi A8's grill is actually probably bigger. Um, in total, it's just one big grill instead of two kidneys. Um, and same goes for the Mercedes S-Class. It's a huge grill. It's it's enormous, but it's just one big piece. So they don't look as odd because we're so used to seeing smaller kidneys, and because they're two. When they get huge like that, they look a little bit weird. It's just kind of like off putting. So it's not as off putting as seeing Audi's giant grill, but they all do have massive grills. So, in fairness to the 7 Series, it's not the only one with a ridiculously oversized grill. And then new cars like the Genesis G90 and stuff, even the new Toyota uh, Avalon, the grills, the entire front end of the car. And same with like the new Chevy trucks and stuff. The grills are just getting out of control now. It's just, <laughs> soon there's going to be no. Uh, sheet metal or plastic and any of the the front of any cars now it's just going to be all grill Uh, it's it's insane and then electric cars are going to come out and say no grills it's going to be a weird transition (laughs) but anyway um speaking of genesis g90 actually i want to segue and move over to i want to talk about hyundai and genesis a little bit because those two brands are really really impressing me and yes they're kind of the same brand like genesis is the luxury brand of hyundai is similar to how Lexus is the luxury brand to Toyota and Acura to Honda and Infiniti to Nissan. Um, so Genesis is the luxury brand to Hyundai. And in my personal opinion, out of all the car companies I just mentioned, Lexus and Toyota, Acura and Honda and yada yada, Genesis and Hyundai are the most promising. They are by far the most promising. If I had to buy a new car right now, I wouldn't even look at Lexus or Acura or Infiniti. I would go straight to Genesis because it is, such an impressive luxury brand right now and even hyundai hyundai is typically known for making you know relatively i don't want to say cheap cars but affordable cars you know economical cars cars that are fuel efficient inexpensive you know come with a lot of options maybe a lot of dynamic to drive or exciting to drive but they're you know they're well built they come with a ton of options as standard for low prices and you can get like a hyundai sonata for like 139 dollars a month or something crazy like that you know on a lease deal and it's a fine car so Hyundai has always been like that kind of economy brand, but now Hyundai's making some really, really interesting cars. Um, so I want to, let's start with Hyundai first, because they're the parent company. You might be wondering why that's relevant to a BMW blog podcast, but there's some, there's a point here and I'm going to get to it in a minute, but let's talk about Hyundai for a second. So at the moment, Hyundai has a really, really interesting car. One, that a lot of enthusiasts are very interested in, myself included. Um, I'm actually trying to get one to test, you know, for a week-long press loaner so I can try it out. Um, And that's the Hyundai Veloster N in America. In uh, Europe, basically the same car as the i30 N, but in America, it's the Veloster N. And it is seriously impressive. It is a tiny little hot hatch. It's front-wheel drive. It comes with a six-speed manual and a turbocharged four-cylinder engine. That doesn't sound all that exciting coming from Hyundai, for bmw fans but it sh- you should be excited about it because it's supposed to be a sensational car i mean it just won road and tracks performance car of the year uh in the same test they had a, the brand new uh porsche 911 a mclaren uh the brand new c8 generation corvette you know they had some really really high power you know supercars and this little tiny you know turbo 4 hyundai front wheel drive hyundai was able to beat them out and win Performance Car of the Year. Not because it was faster than them or you know handled better than them, but because it offered such a compelling package at such a good price. You know, it is, it's incredible to drive, it's quick, you know, it's fun, it's practical, it's efficient, and it's cheap. And that's the thing. Like, it's such a good package. I mean, it, it might be a Volkswagen GTI killer. Now, you might be thinking, why do I care about that? I like BMW. Well, one, you should always care about good cars that come out regardless of whatever brand it comes from because good cars make... market better. But anyway, BMW fans specifically should care about it because the man who developed the Veloster N, and who is developing all of Hyundai's N division cars, is a man by the name of Albert Biermann, who was formerly the boss at BMW M. So he left M, now he's at Hyundai's N, which I think stands for Nürburgring or something now, it stood for like a, you know, the city in uh, South Korea where Hyundai was based, but now I think he said it stands for that and Nürburgring. But anyway. Um, it's the end division and he's the man who developed and you know, the, 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 the Hyundai Veloster N is his brainchild and he is one of the better, you know, performance car minds in the market right now, like, you know, making cars right now. So we should take notice and this is a very good car and I can't wait to drive it because it seems very exciting. It's got a trick front diff, it's, you know, six speed manual, it's quick, it looks cool, and it's affordable, and that's, that's what's really great, is that it's a car that a lot of young enthusiasts can get into, even brand new, and really, really enjoy something special, not just like, you know, a, a hopped-up little you know, Ford Focus ST that has a lot of power but isn't very good to drive and just kind of looks, you know, turdy. You know, this actually is a proper driving car, and I'm really, I'm really excited about it. I think it's a really compelling package, and I think it shows that we really need to take notice that Hyundai is going to be making some good cars soon. You know, they're really going to be making some interesting cars. Now, continuing on the Hyundai front, um, it was just recently, there was an article that came out, uh, and we actually spoke about it earlier in the week. Albert Biermann was interviewed um, talking about the future of the Hyundai's N Division. And one of the things he said, unprompted too, he brought this up on his own, was that there's a possibility that maybe they look into creating some sort of Porsche Cayman fighter possibly mid-engine, something around, you know, around that size, Porsche Cayman size, and he specifically brought up Porsche that he might want to take on Porsche from a Hyundai. Like, that is crazy. Like, I can see some people saying, well, Hyundai offers, you know, a budget alternative to, like, BMW and Mercedes because you can get a lot of features and a cheaper car. Sure, but Porsche, like, offering a car that can handle, like, a Porsche, that's insane, right? Like, that's, 10 years ago, you would have laughed Albert Bierman out of, out of the building. But now, after seeing the Veloster N, you go, well, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Maybe they're onto something here. Maybe they can do this. Now, imagine that for a second. The, the boss, the former boss of BMW M, goes over to Hyundai's N division and creates a bespoke mid-engine sports car to take on the Porsche Cayman. That would, A, be amazing. It would just be... I would absolutely love that. I really hope that happens. But, B... It would frustrate BMW fans so much because BMW fans have been begging the M division to make a bespoke sports car, something that wasn't based on a regular production BMW, you know, its own thing, something like that to take on the Cayman since the Cayman came out. Because, yeah, the BMW M3 is a good sports car and the M4 is a good sports car and all that. The M2 is a good sports car, but they're all based on regular series production BMWs that have to be sold to the masses with little diesel engines and stuff for efficiency And they're not proper sports cars like the Cayman is. The Cayman is a bespoke sports car built on its own chassis. You know, it doesn't share anything with any other car. And that's one of the reasons why it's so unbeatable in that segment. I mean, another is that Porsche is the best at chassis and suspension and steering tuning. But aside from that, you know, the Cayman has a big advantage because it's not based on anything. It can just be the sports car that Porsche wants it to be. And that's really important. And it's something that, bmw fans have been begging bmw m to do so imagine they've been begging bmw m for so long the boss from m leaves goes to hyundai the cheap economy car brand and makes a cayman fighter that would be amazing and ridiculous and i really really hope it happens because i would love that and i would probably buy one if if albert bierman makes a cayman fighting hyundai i will buy it because that is hilarious and amazing and I would love to be able to to drive up in a car that is potentially faster than a Cayman with a Hyundai badge on it but what's actually kind of interesting about that is the fact that you can sort of do that right now now you can't take on a Cayman with any Hyundai product but you can take on more premium brands with Hyundai products and that's because the Genesis brand is really really taking off so when Genesis first started, it wasn't a brand, it was just a car. It was the Hyundai Genesis. It was like their top of the line premium car, and it offered, you know, a lot of the luxuries that you'd find like a 7 series or an S Class at much, much like half the price. It was crazy how much cheaper the Genesis was when it first came out, and and crazy how much it offered. Like it had some seriously impressive luxuries for a car that came from Hyundai. People were really blown away by it. It was really interesting. It wasn't a brilliant car actually to drive. But it was Hyundai's really the first attempt at like a premium luxury car and something to take on the Germans and that just in that in itself was impressive. So you had to give Hyundai credit for that. But then Hyundai wisely kind of turned the Genesis into its own brand. And I think that was a smart idea because now when you buy a premium car from Hyundai, it doesn't have the Hyundai badge. It's not it doesn't say Hyundai. It says Genesis, which is a a cool name and B has a cool badge and C just has its own brand prestige now so it's very similar to what toyota did with lexus and it's very smart it works it's a, it's a you know it's an idea that worked back in the 80s it's, it, it'll work today you know it's a smart move by hyundai and not only that but you can't just have you know a fancy brand with that you know that's cheaper than the germans and you know succeed you actually have to make good cars and they're doing that you know, so there's some really interesting cars that came from Genesis in the past couple of years. You have the G80, which is like a 5 Series competitor, and it's really good. But more importantly, you have the G70, which is a 3 Series competitor. Now, typically, mainstream premium, you know, luxury brands struggle to take on the 3 Series. Mercedes and C-Class, you know, Mercedes is, you know, the biggest car company in the world. They struggle to take on the 3 Series. Audi has been struggling to take on the 3 Series since the a force first came out so the idea that genesis can take on the 3 series and actually maybe don't say this out loud to bmw fans but actually beat it in a lot of ways is really impressive you know the genesis g70 i haven't driven it yet personally i'm again another car i'm really trying to get i've been bugging uh genesis to let me borrow one they they keep saying no or not responding which is frustrating but anyway so the the g70 from what i've read and what i've heard from people that have driven it it's very good i mean it's three series good and it's cheaper and i actually think it looks better its interior doesn't look as nice i still don't love those weird like t-handle shifters they're kind of ugly um and the material qualities are are good they're not on par with the three series especially the new one because the new g23 series is like ridiculously nice on the inside like material wise Um, but it's really good in every other way, you know, it steers really well, possibly even better than the 3 Series. Its chassis dynamics are great, suspension tuning is great, its engines are great, like it's a great, great car, and it's cheaper than the 3 Series, so like, I don't know, if you're, if you're in that market and you see this really cool, slick-looking car from a new brand with a cool name that's cheaper than the 3 Series and you actually drive them, and it's just as good, which one are you gonna buy, you know, if you don't have any brand allegiance? So... Uh, The Genesis G70 is a really really impressive car and that's exciting and if you're a car fan You kind of just have to be excited about that because like I said before it doesn't matter where the what brand it comes from Good cars are good cars and they make the market better. So, you know I'm personally really excited about cars like the G70 another really interesting car coming from Genesis is the GV80 um, I think, and I guess along with trying to take on the Germans on the road, Genesis is trying to take on the Germans in the ridiculous naming system of just jumbles of letters and numbers, which mean nothing. <laughs> but So the GV80 is uh, Genesis' upcoming X5 competitor. So Hyundai has a few big you know SUVs. They have the Palisade, which is actually surprisingly nice. It takes on the X7 this, the GV80, is going to be the X5 competitor. It's going to be premium, it's going to be about that size, it's going to have an optional third row. Um, It's going to come with, you know, four-cylinder, no, two different six-cylinders, one naturally aspirated, one twin turbocharged, and one big V8, naturally aspirated V8. So it's going to have, like, similar powertrain options to the X5, and it's going to have, you know, similar equipment and luxuries and whatnot. And there's only been a few photos uh, to come from Genesis, you know so far but so far it looks pretty good actually you know it's a good it's a handsome looking suv especially in profile it has a pretty obnoxiously large grill but sort of bmw's at this point so that it's really can't really make fun of it for that um and but its side profile looks really good you know it's kind of it's muscular but not too much. It's not, too, it's not overly aggressive. It's sporty, but not, again, not too much. It's kind of elegant and really pretty. And maybe I'm crazy, but I even got a little bit of Jaguar F Pace in there. And that's a, I mean, that's the prettiest SUV on the road, the F Pace. So, I mean, every Jag is just gorgeous. But anyway, um, the GV80, it looked really good. And the interior was kind of like minimalist, but like, you know, looked high quality. The only thing I didn't love is a two spoke steering wheel. I don't really like two spoke steering wheels, but it looked pretty good, actually, to be honest. It didn't look so bad. Um, But it looks interesting and impressive, and considering what every other Genesis car, and how good those are, I'm kind of really excited about the GV80. It might be a really, really good car. Now, I'll actually go on record and say I don't think it will be better than the X5, only because I'm a really big fan of the new X5, and I don't really like SUVs, but the new X5 is a great, great SUV. In in that price point, I don't think there's a better SUV. I really don't. I mean, the F-Pace is gorgeous, but in terms of, like, build quality and luxury and comfort and technology and reliability i think that the x5 is like head and shoulders above everything else in that segment the mercedes gle is cool but it's just not as good to drive um the audi q7 actually the audi q7 is really good i haven't driven the new facelifted one but it's a really good suv um i'm actually i think it might actually be worse than it used to be because it just got facelifted and the q7 uh ditched its old supercharged engine for a new turbocharged engine and i'm not really a big fan of the new turbocharged v6 from audi I really like the old supercharged one, so now that it's switched, I don't know if I will like it as much, so I think, to me, the X5 is still the clear winner in this segment. It's a great, great, great car, so Hyundai's going to have to really bring its A-game if it's going to beat the X5, because I think not even Mercedes or Audi can, and, you know, they're luxury car giants, so uh, I think, while the GV80 does seem really impressive, I think it's going to have a harder time beating the X5 than maybe some of its other cars have, uh, you know beating any other BMW like I think it's probably going to be harder sledding for the GV80 to beat the X5 than it will be for like the G70 to beat the 3 Series so um, you know because I, I, the X5 is, is like surprisingly really good um, at what it does I don't know how they manage to balance that you know the blend of ride comfort and actual like driving fun in an SUV it's kind of odd so I'm a big fan of that car the, the X5 but I am excited about the GV80 you know I want to see what Genesis can do in that segment, I'm, I'm really excited about the brand in general. You know, I really want to start test driving some of their cars because they, they look really good. They seem really promising. Everyone that has driven them seems really impressed. Um, and you know, so I really want to drive a lot of their cars. And I want to drive that little Veloster, and I just want to grab it by the scruff of its neck and drive it around because it looks like so much fun. Um, you know, it just looks small. I'm like I love a I love a hot hatch. Who doesn't love a hot hatch? You know, and this has a six speed manual like it's supposed to have. And you know, I mean, think about this for a second. So BMW offers uh, now offers a front-wheel drive-based hot hatch, the M135i, but it is all-wheel drive and comes only in automatic, and it's supposed to be, I mean, it's pretty dynamic and it's capable, but pretty numb. But Hyundai offers a hatchback that comes with a manual, front, front-wheel front drive like a hot hatch is supposed to be, with a trick front differential, and it's, like, hilarious, good fun to drive. Think about that for a second. Hyundai is actually beating BMW, At a segment and that that's crazy to me but awesome and I think everyone who loves cars should be really excited about that but let's move on to an actual BMW product and one that I think is very exciting so let's stop knocking on BMW a little bit and uh, actually talk about something they've done right and that's the m850i Grand Coupe um, or the Grand Coupe in American English America English Um, and I just had one on test for a week and it's a car that I've been really, really, really excited to drive because I've driven every other M850i model, the coupe and convertible, um, extensively. I've driven them both a lot, and they're both great cars. But to me, the Grand Coupe has always been the sort of sweet spot of any BMW line because it, they always seem to handle either as well as the regular car, whether it be coupe or sedan, They always seem to handle just as well, if not a little bit better due to, like, longer wheelbases and stuff. Um, But they look better. You know, Grand Coupes are gorgeous. It's one of the few cars that BMW, like, really, really nails the design on. You know, not every BMW is gorgeous. They look fine. Like, a lot of them look fine, and they look look good. But, like, typically, you know, it's Mercedes or Audi that kind of nails the exterior design of cars. But the, the Grand Coupes from BMWs are just fantastic looking. And the new 8 Series, I think, is not only great-looking car. I think it's BMW's best-looking car, and I think it's BMW's best-looking car in a really long time, especially in person. It's so long and low and wide and imposing but luxurious. It's just a beautiful car. It's muscular but elegant. Just a gorgeous, gorgeous car. I think the design falls down a little bit at the front end, but that's an entirely 8 Series problem, not just the Grand Coupe problem. I just don't think the the grills and the headlights are that great-looking. They're, they're fine. They don't look bad. There's just something... I don't love about them, but the rest of it—oh my god, it's great looking! You look at it from the rear three quarters, and it's just gorgeous. It's just a beautiful, beautiful car. And so I was really excited to drive one. Now I drove it a little bit, uh, like two months ago uh, at BMW's Test Fest in Spartanburg, South Carolina. I think I talked to you guys a little bit about that, you know, a couple months ago. But um, you know, this is my first extensive amount of time in it, and I I came away really impressed. I think it's a really, really, really good car but it does have one problem, and I'll get to that in a little bit. So let's talk about what's actually good about it first, and that is, well, A, we already talked about how good-looking it is, but B, how great it is to drive, because it is a very good driving car when you understand what it's supposed to be, because it isn't supposed to be a full-on sports car. No 8 Series is, aside from the M8, but even the M8 I still think is just a really, really fast GT car, not like a proper, proper sports car. But anyway, so if you look at the M850i as a grand tourer, you know, grand touring car, something that's going to be really fast, but really comfortable, really stable at high speed, you know, stylish. You know, that's what GT cars are all about. You know, like style, speed, comfort. And if you think about the M850i that way, especially the Grand Coupe, it's brilliant. It works perfectly. It's super luxurious. It's, you know, the interior is fantastic. Materials are top notch. You know, it's absolute top of the line. It's brutally fast. I mean, it is crazy fast. So being an ME50i, 4.4 liter uh, twin-turbo V8, 523 horsepower, 553 pound-feet of torque. So it's really, really quick. Um, 060, I think BMW claims like 3.6 seconds. So that doesn't matter because it's faster than that anyway. And it doesn't honestly matter because when you stomp the accelerator, I mean, you just like, it feels like you're being catapulted toward the horizon. It's just crazy fast. And the best part about the Grand Coupe is our two back seats, like functional human-sized back seats. Again, I'd driven both the M850i Coupe and convertible, and in both of those, humans, at least human adults, can't fit in the back seat. BMW calls them 2 2s because they have, you know, um, rear seats, but they're basically glorified leather-lined luggage shelves because unless you're like a really, really, really small child, you're not fitting in the back of the 8 Series Coupe comfortably. You're just not. Especially the Coupe because um, you know the, the rear headroom is horrible. I'm only five foot nine, so I'm a little fellow, and I I hit my head on the back seat, of, on the back window, in the back seat of the coupe. That's that should not happen. I'm I'm little. I should not. I should be able to fit in the back seat of most coupes, especially ones as massive as the eight series. It's a huge coupe, so like that's pretty embarrassing. But in the grand coupe, it can fit two adults really comfortably, like. I hit my head on the roof of the coupe, but in the Grand Coupe, not only was I perfectly comfortable, but I had like loads of knee room sitting behind myself. I had headroom. I was I could stretch my legs out a little bit. I could move my arms around. I was I had shoulder room and elbow room. I was really comfortable. It's a really, really surprisingly comfortable car in the back seat. And it's got, you know, climate controls and USB-C ports and, you know, heated seats back there. It's really, really quite nice. Plus the seats look really cool. So there's there's that too. But during my week with it, um. Actually, my wife and I took well, actually t- technically two friends of ours took us out to dinner, um, but I drove because I had the cool car for the week. so I drove and two adult friends of ours had to sit in the back seat, and they were not only comfortable on like an hour long almost an hour long journey either way um, not only were they comfortable but they like, were like really comfortable <laughs> it was like luxurious back there you know they had it was a great seat, and the actual seats are comfortable and supportive. Like I said, they had climate controls and USB-C ports and heated seats and enough ambient lighting to make it look like a German rave. You know, it's it's really cool to sit back there. Actually, when we pulled up, one of the friends was like, oh, look at our million dollar friends because the car looks great. The interior is great. You know, I wish I could actually afford it because then I would actually be as cool as the car is, but I can't, so I'm not. But <laughs> that's a different story for a different time. But anyway, so the, it's such a good car. It's really, really fast. It handles surprisingly well. You know, it's comfortable, it's luxurious, and it can fit four people, four actual adults, really comfortably. To me, that makes it one of the best overall cars in BMW's lineup. But it does have a problem. So let's get to the main problem. And it's not so much a problem as it is that it's it's good, but it's not as good as another BMW that's cheaper. And I think the problem really comes down to price. So the M850i Grand Coupe is very expensive. The one I tested was over $120,000. I think it was $122,000 as tested. And that's a lot of money to have to not buy a true M car. Like That's a very expensive car. You can have a lot of cool cars for that price. So that, that I think is a problem. I think its pricing is an issue. But I think the biggest reason that it's an issue is that BMW actually offers a car that's cheaper and better. So even if you were to get the base model M850i Grand Coupe, it's still more money, almost about $10,000 more, than the BMW M5, which is one, an actual M car, but two, it's the better car. Now, I've spent a lot of time in the M5 as well, and it is, I would absolutely have that over the M850i Grand Coupe, and I wouldn't even second guess it. The M5 is a brilliant, brilliant car like the m 50 i is a really good car especially the grand coupe because it looks great and it, it's, a, it's a really good car but the m5 is head and shoulders above it's something special it is like when you drive the m5 you realize okay i'm in something special i'm in something unique something that you can't get every day something that you can't get in almost any other car like you feel like okay i know where my money went this is a very impressive car that's the thing about the m5 is it feels just there's a there's a magic to it that the m850i doesn't have and that's just subjective stuff that's just like the intangible stuff when you actually talk about the real deal figures the numbers the objective stuff the m5 blows the doors off the m850i it's has more power it's significantly faster like it's much faster bmw if bmw quotes the you know the m850i to 60 like 3.6 seconds, 3.8 seconds. The M5 does it and you know actually realistically doesn't like 2.8 seconds. You know it's brutally monstrously fast. Not only that, but it handles so much better, like so so much better. Its steering is much much better, you know. And another thing, it doesn't really suffer a ride penalty. I drove around a week in new pothole covered New Jersey roads in an M5, and I never thought it was uncomfortable, not once. And that's an M car. I, I think it rides great, actually. It might ride just as well as the M850i Grand Coupe. Yet it's faster, handles better, has much better steering, feels more special, has a more interesting looking interior, and can fit three people in the back seat, not just two. And it has a bigger trunk. Actually, I don't think it's as deep, but the opening of the M5's trunk is much bigger. That was the only thing I, I want maybe knocked up on the M850i Grand Coupe, is the opening of the trunk is very small, so you can't really put anything large in it. But the m five doesn't suffer that problem. It has a big trunk with a normal size opening and it can fit more people on the inside and it's It's just so much better and it's about ten thousand dollars less to start so not only is it the better car on paper, but it's the better car to drive and it's cheaper to me. I don't see why anyone would buy the m h fifty i grand coupe over the m five except for style and if you're really if if style matters that much to you then I guess you go for the m 50 i Grand Coupe, but I personally don't think it's... It does look better. It's a better-looking car than the M5, but I don't think that it's so much better-looking that it's worth spending more money to get a worse car. To me, the M5 is the ultimate flagship BMW. It is the BMW to get if you have six figures. I mean, to me, I would get the M5 over any other M car, too. Like, if I had the money, I don't care. Forget the M2 CS. Give me the M5. You know, forget that stuff the m five is an astonishingly brilliant machine it really really is the best car they've made in ages to me it's it's fantastic it, re- it really is um, remarkable and I've driven the m eight too and I would still take the m5 over the proper m8 coupe uh, maybe the m eight grand coupe maybe changes my mind because um, it offers you know the styling of the the m 850 i but maybe it has that specialness that the m5 has as well you know because it's basically the same powertrain and you know has m division suspension and steering and all that stuff. So maybe, um, and actually, now that I think about it, it's likely that the M8 Grand Coupe becomes my you know, favorite BMW, but right now, I mean, the M5, like, looking back at it, it's so good, I don't think that you should buy any other BMW at that price point. It, I really don't. And the M, it's not just internal BMWs that offer better value than the M850i Grand Coupe. I mean, just look at the Porsche Taycan 4S that's just as much money as the MA50i. It seats just as many people. It looks just as good, I would say, actually. The Porsche Taycan, I'm a big fan of the way it looks. I think it's really cool looking. It handles better. It's much faster. And it has the the coolness of being all electric. You know, yeah, sure, you can't drive as far. Um, but at the same time, the MA50i can't drive that far either, because it guzzles fuel like an alcoholic. It's ridiculous. So, I mean there's there's that benefit too, that it's kind of all electric it's icon and it's you know, has that kind of cool factor to it, the new factor to it. Um and that's just as much money. So I think the M A fifty I Grand Coupe really suffers from a pricing issue. I think it's too much money. Uh and I think you can get better cars for the money than it. And I, I really like it. It's a great car, it looks great, I just think it's I just think it's a little bit overpriced. I think that's its biggest problem. And then, then you suffer from, you know, The conflict of, you know, other internal BMWs being better for the money. You know, if the MA50i was cheaper than the M5, I'd say, hey, it's it's a great buy then because it's still such a great car and it looks fantastic. But the fact that it's significantly more money, yeah, I'm taking the M5. Okay, so now it's time to answer some questions. We actually got a couple of questions this week, so I'm I'm pretty excited about that. Um, Two Maths, actually. Two people named Matt uh, reach out and ask me some questions, so I will answer them for you now. And the first one is from a guy by the name of Matt. I apologize if I pronounce this wrong with Matt Pow, P O W E. I'm going to say Pow, uh, but I could be wrong because I'm an idiot. Anyway, um, so Matt asks me, well, he, he noticed that I have been speaking glowingly about driving a classic Mini. I've been speaking about it for months now to anyone who will listen, and much to the chagrin of anyone who has listened because they probably want to punch me in the face by now, because I talk about it too much. But anyway, he asks if I've ever driven a BMW 2002 from the 70s, and how they might compare. Unfortunately, I've never driven a 2002. It's a car I've always wanted to drive, but I've never driven one. I hear they're fantastic. Um, From what I hear, like the descriptions of how they drive, it's a much different experience, um, much different, and I honestly don't, even though the Mini's front-wheel drive and the 2002 is rear-wheel drive, I don't think the 2002 will kind of i don't think it'll provide that same magic that the mini has there's just something really really special about a classic mini it's wheel it's tiny little wheelbase you know it's so so light like 2002 is pretty light i mean it's really light for modern day cars but the mini is like a featherweight even by comparison it's so little and so light and so basic and so simple there's just something about it it's it's a very it's a magic car it feels like magic Uh, and i want to drive a 2002 but i just haven't gotten around to it yet i haven't had the opportunity but I definitely will drive one as soon as the opportunity arises, because I really have always wanted to. Now, I have sat, I rode shotgun in a friend's old sixteen hundred, BMW sixteen hundred, uh, years ago. But unfortunately, he sold that like immediately after I drove, I rode in it, so I never got to drive it. Um, but that was an interesting little car; it felt pretty cool uh, to ride shotgun in. But from even just from what I remember sitting in the passenger seat of that car, it felt significantly heavier than the Mini, you know, and it's an old tiny little car. But, you know, I don't think anything can touch the majesty of a classic Mini, to be completely honest with you. So the next question is from Matt Shipley. And he asks me a very interesting question and one that was going to have a very long answer. So I hope you're prepared to listen. So he, has to, he moved on from his E91 3 Series wagon to an F30 uh, 340i sedan. And he did that because of the B58 engine in the 340, which admittedly is a much better engine than you can get in the uh, E91. Um, And he really liked the ZF automatic, uh, which is significantly better than the six-speed auto uh, if he had an auto in the E91. Um, So objectively, he got the better car, but he says he misses his wagon. And I don't really disagree with that because it's tough. One, I think the E90 chassis is better than the F31, and... The, you know, the wagon aspect is awesome, and it's hard to replicate. Um, but he says he he loves the power of the B58, but he, he thinks the car feels a little bit unbalanced and a little bit top-heavy, and he wonders if he should have got the adaptive suspension. Now, I'm going to say yes to the latter. He probably should have gotten the adaptive suspension. But um, you're not the only one that feels that way, Matt. A lot of people, when the F30 uh, 340i came out, even the 335, because the, the F30 was the facelifted, Or the 340, excuse me, the 340i was the facelifted F30 3 Series. So um, even before that, the pre facelift 335i, uh, a lot of journalists felt that if you got the six cylinder, it did feel a little nose heavy, like BMW didn't calibrate the front suspension well enough to handle the extra weight of the six cylinder. Um, So you're not the only one that feels that way. And to be honest, a lot of people kind of feel the, the front end of the F30 Gen 3 Series is a little bit sloppy, it's not great. But anyway, let's go on to his main question, and that is if because BMW has no plans to offer the M340i uh, wagon in in Canada, which is you know where he's from, because um, there's going to be no three series wagons being brought over to no G21 generation three series wagons brought over to the North America either Canadian market or U.S. market, neither will make it over here. He wonders, should he look at any of the other alternatives, such as the AMG C43 wagon, um, or possibly even an X3 M40i? So the answer is a bit long-winded. I apologize if it took me a while to get there, but the answer is a bit long, so bear with me here. In that segment, if you really want a wagon in like the three-series segment, there are a couple you can get, and I think there are a lot of good options. If you have to have a wagon, personally, I think the AMG C43 wagon is your best bet, because it's actually offered in Canada. It isn't in the US market, but it's offered in Canada. I think it's a great car. Um, you know, BMW fans might disagree with me, but the new C-Class is a great car. It's a great looking car. And the C43 comes with a great engine. It's similar to the uh, B58 engine you'll get in, it's a V6, but it's similar power, it's just a smooth, and it should offer you performance that you're used to uh, from your 340i. So I think that that is a really good al- uh, alternative. But if you don't want to go with AMG, um, Volvo makes a V60 wagon. That's gorgeous. It's not as fast. I don't think they offer depending on what powertrains they offer in Canada. Um, it's not going to be as fast. It's not going to handle as well, but it's going to be probably even more comfortable, look better, have a nicer interior and Volvo just makes killer wagons. They just make awesome wagons. So that's a good option. Um, there's the Audi A4 Allroad, which is another interesting option. Um, they only offer that in a two liter, uh, turbo four, but it's a, it's a solid turbo four. It's pretty good. Um, and it comes with an eight speed automatic, it comes with actually I think it comes with a seven speed dual clutch, which is interesting about that. And it's all wheel drive, also like the other two, but it it's has like a taller ride height, so I don't know if you want that. But um, you know, it's kinda of got like a, a pseudo rugged thing going on. It's kinda of weird, but it's a good car overall and it's still basically just an A four wagon. Um, just that has like a, you know, inferiority complex, so it needs to try to look tough and rugged. <laughs> But, um, so those are some interesting alternatives. Um, and now he says he doesn't, he feels that he might not want an X3 M40i because it's an SUV. But to be honest with you, it's an excellent car. I've driven that a few times and it's a really, really, really good car. Uh, in fact, when I first drove it, it kind of like blew me away. I, I was really surprised how good it was to drive. So if you're really sold on, you want a B58 engine, you know but you want like wagon sort of practicality i think the x3 m40i is a great car it really is it's a great great choice um i wouldn't go with he says he's been disappointed by like the regression in his opinion of the 2 series grand coupe i obviously wouldn't go with that it's a smaller car it isn't as practical and uh it's a slower car so i wouldn't go with that and if the he also mentions the 4 series grand coupe i wouldn't wait for that either that's going to be a long that's a long ways away um, and it's not going to have the practicality of, you know, a wagon or something like that. So honestly, in my personal opinion, if I had to narrow it down, I would honestly narrow it down to two cars and say, go for either the BMW X3 M40i, because that'll get you the BMW you like with the brilliant B58 engine, actually, it's like, probably the one of the best versions of the B58 engine, better than the 340i from your old F30. Um, it's a great engine, it's very fast, and it offers the same practicality as a wagon, if not more so you know, so I think that's a great alternative. Or um, if you really don't want an SUV, I would say go for the AMG C43 wagon. It's a great car. You might, you know, a lot of BMW fans might hate me for <laughs> recommending a Mercedes, but it's, it, it's a really good car and it, it offers a wagon. You know, BMW makes a huge mistake, I think, by not offering the G21 uh, wagon in North America. So that's kind of what BMW gets, right? You don't want to offer the wagon, wagon customers have to go elsewhere. So if you're a wagon customer and you you miss your E31 and you want a great wagon of that size, I think the only one on the market right now, personally, I think the best one on the market is the AMG C43 wagon. And plus, you're in a unique situation uh, being in Canada, because us from the U.S., we can't get the C43 wagon. So I would say go for it. I would say that's probably the best bet in the segment it's a great car it looks great handles pretty well has a great engine you know wagon great interior i think it's a good car i think that's that would be my personal choice or the x3 m40i so if that's if you're looking for my buyer's advice uh that's that's what it is so that is all for episode 13 um thank you for listening if you listened all this way i appreciate it but a bit of a longer episode this week but that's that's good you know more topics more stuff to talk about And uh, I appreciate the questions as well. I love answering questions. I love uh, giving some advice. So just, yeah, keep asking questions and uh, keep listening. And uh, stay tuned for next week.